homily for the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks, June 7th, 2020. I would ask that you pray for the repose of the soul of the wife of a cousin of mine, a lady by the name of Mary Ann Bitts, whose funeral took place June 6th in Lemoore, North Dakota. Let us also remember in prayer Officer Cody Holty from the Grand Forks Police Department and Natasha Apogian and Julian Torres, two airmen who died in a violent act at Grand Forks Air Force Base. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. I have to share a little story about something I'm reminded of when I hear today's first reading. In that reading, you'll recall God showed his glory to Moses through a solemn and unique revelation. And Moses asked for strength to carry out his role in leading the Israelites. I had a friend ordained a year before me, and after a couple of years as an associate, he became pastor of a small parish cluster. Those first few months, whenever I asked him how things were going, he'd say with a wry smile on his face, I'm reminded of the words of Moses, Lord, this is indeed a stiff-necked people. <laughs> There's a whole untold side of that story, namely how people often have to put up with stiff-necked pastors, too. Relatively speaking, believing in one God is simple. Accepting what Jesus has revealed to us about God's true identity is another matter. Scholars of other monotheistic religions, like Islam, for example, generally don't trouble themselves over this question. They say, God is one, and are done with it. But we who pledge faith in Christ have to take seriously what he has taught, even if we find it to be inconvenient or baffling. There is so much to God that we cannot know. But in the Church's teachings on God as a trinity of persons, we have a breakthrough. On one hand, there is God, the creator of everything, infinite in power. And on the other hand, there is humanity, creatures with limited knowledge and all sorts of weaknesses. Our abilities of reason and intellect help us a great deal, but they alone do not bridge this enormous gap between us and God. God sent his only Son, Jesus, to himself be that bridge, and to enable us to peer into the interior life of God in a way that we never could through our own use of logic. Our scripture readings today give what I call cursory indications of the Holy Trinity. To add to what they have to say, I took a look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This book is for us what the hammer is to the carpenter. Every Catholic household ought to have a copy, without exception. Here's just a taste of what you will find in the Catechism on the subject of the Trinity. The Holy Trinity is a communion of persons, and therefore perfectly one. In God, there is not a single person, but there exists among them a total unity. In the persons of God, one finds no contradiction or dissension whatsoever. Each one is constantly a complete gift of self, a gift of love to the others. Each divine person is distinct. 
they are not interchangeable or like three separate costumes the same actor might wear during a stage production. The identity of each person flows from their relationships to each other, and not from some act that one performs but another does not. The father is father because he has a son, and vice versa. The Holy Spirit is their bond and pledge of love personified, flowing out from them both. To describe this reality, the Church struggles to find just the right terms, since all we can really do is come close. One term that works well is substance. All three persons of the Trinity consist of the same thing, or substance, so to speak, but all three persons are distinct beings, with his own essence. Here's an example from nature that I like to use. Imagine that you're enjoying a mild, clear summer's evening. You notice one cloud rising above the western horizon. Behold it for a moment and look away. A minute later, you look at the same spot in the sky and see two clouds. The first cloud did not make the second one, and so the second one is not of a lesser status. The clouds are equal, of the same substance, but are two distinct clouds. We might say one proceeded from the other. The question then arises, what about us? How did we come along? It's not as though God was bored or incomplete. The reason for creation was to express God's love and glory in something outside of himself. We exist because of God's abundantly gracious and free will. There is none other who could force God to create. But not only did God create the universe... He placed creatures within it who uniquely bear the stamp of his image and likeness, men and women. Chapter 1 of Genesis states that on the sixth day of creation, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Pay attention to that wording. God did not say, here's what I'm going to do. He used the word our, a plural pronoun. The author of Genesis gives the world in that sentence its first hint of what's really going on in the interior life of God. Men and women are complementary in their God-given nature and form a communion that displays something of the Trinity to the world. God designed the bond of man and woman and planted inside them the call to love and be loved, a bond sealed in the marriage covenant as a kind of sacrament, that is visible sign of God's dynamic life. What's more, God attaches to that bond a desire on our part for exclusivity and fidelity. The lover is faithful to his beloved and her alone, to a degree that no one else shares, and in so doing reflects the unfailing love of God, who never betrays. Today's celebration in the church is really about the whole idea of revelation. Jesus, the word of God, through both his message and his personhood, revealed the nature of God to an extent that we could not figure out on our own. Jesus is for us the window into the mystery, making it possible, as he told the woman at the well, to worship in spirit and in truth. God sent his Son not to condemn but to be the means of our salvation. 
Jesus came to ransom us all who by sin were led astray and to disclose God's identity to us. Anyone who is aware of this but still says, God is God and that's plenty good enough for me, is not acting out of wisdom, but ignorance. Let's pray in thanksgiving for the light of faith that enables us to see God as he really is. Let's also pray that our brothers and sisters in our country will choose to see Christ when they encounter one another. Amen.